All right, thanks everyone for coming out or hanging out to catch the podcast and set. Yeah! My guest this week is a legend in the scene, Mr. David Rosowski. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, everybody. Can I say how weird how weird it is, and I love it still, uh, to be a legend. <laughs> You know, it's it's like because uh, people have said legend, and you go right, oh, yeah, and you just go, I, I, I'm not going to argue it. It just means we're old. I know that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly <laughs> it. But I, but to be a, a but at, uh, the, at the same time, I would say, I mean it. Uh, I tried. I'm going to stop doing that with my ring. My ring <laughs> uh, is I, I always or I, I I try my best to honor those who specifically came before me in the improv community, and I know that you were a part of Grime and Punishment. Uh, so if not for the work that you guys did uh, before I got to the I.O., you know, what what I went through would not have been what it was. Um, and you came in how much later than that? I came in when they got to the basement of Papa Milano's. Oh, you were there. Okay. So just to give a little bit of history, we were at a place called, uh, we called Cross Currents, which is at Wilton and Belmont, in, uh, uh, which is now Boys Town or whatever it's called now, Lakeview. And then they went from there to two or three places after that. I think Cross uh, Curse, I know Chow was one of them. Chow was one of them. There was another place that was, um, oh, there was a couple places. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. I remember there was like. Oh, At the Tracks. At the Tracks was one. At the one. Tracks was one. Um, that's, where, um, that's where I met um, my, uh, Mike Myers was at the Tracks. He was, it was between him being at, at Second City and right before he went to Saturday Night Live. And he was doing Herald's then. He was great, man. He was great. <laughs> I mean, I know that it's such a dumb thing, but what what what, he, what Mike Michael would do, what Mike, Mike Myers would do, is he would be able to. He'd see a scene that was tanking in a Herald, and he would walk in, and he would just say three words, and he would walk out, and you go, "Oh, that's how it goes." He was just so selfless, really, really selfless. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> What's he doing now? What the fuck is he doing now? No, but I I respect the hell out of that. Uh, I know that you were in a review at the Second City on the main stage that I didn't see, because that was back at a time when I was purposefully not going to, to, to Second City, which I, I regret at this point, because it must have been some kind of review. That was the one with you and Colbert and Carell and someone else. Yeah, there had to be other people, because it just wasn't a three-person show. It wasn't show. a three-man show, but I, but no, I remember wasn't. that. And I've seen the pictures, and I remember initially seeing, meeting and seeing you play. Oh, Scott Allman, maybe. Because there was a scene that we did with the Beatles. It was a Beatles scene that we did where it was uh, Carell, Colbert, Scott Ullman, and me. And there must have been somebody else. There right. Well, yeah, because it probably wasn't a four-man cast. It no. Probably had a couple women in there. Yeah, it was Jackie Hoffman was in there because I remember uh, we did a scene where uh, Jackie, Carell, Colbert uh, were clowns. And they had full-on clown outfits. And uh, this shows you what kind of a scene it was. The scene was this, and it was in the show. Um, and uh, it, the, the point of the scene was uh, Colbert was trying to rape Jackie. Jackie played a deaf mute clown, and, uh, and Colbert was trying to was rape her, and I came in in a wheelchair that was actually from SCTV. They, it was propped in a wheelchair right. as a, a Make-A-Wish Foundation kid, and I, I got in there as, uh, in a felonious... Uh, flagrante delicto uh that's about as much latin as you guys are going to hear from me <laughs> you know it makes that's like a, you say you know, colbero's trying to rape this this woman playing a uh, a deaf mute clown a deaf mute clown <laughs> what what kind of makes that okay it's like yeah but it's steven <laughs>
I know, right? That's when you go, it's Colbert. It's like, What's he like, going like, to do? He's not going to do What's he going to do? What's he going to do? But was that, you were, you were doing that, uh, was that the time that you were doing the, uh, the caveman show? Was that around that time? No, that was, uh, I was, I think, I think when you guys were on the main stage, I was, I think that's when the family was doing their stuff. Right. Right. Uh, so we were, I, and, I, and, and I had a, uh, whatever what I decided I wasn't going to go to Second City one of many wonderful career moves I've made uh, <laughs> you were talking about that earlier yeah. too. Uh, but yeah cause I think the last review I think I, I saw Pinata full of bees because I wanted to see what basically I thought McKay had done right uh, and then I saw the first review after that that Mick directed uh, uh, and that was the last time I was, I was there Man alive. I just, uh, I just interviewed, I was just in New York and I interviewed Ali Faranakian and then I interviewed Dratch. So we were talking about that Pinata Full of Bees show, which we're really getting really inside baseball here, but, uh, but, uh, Dratch was saying how at that time, and you know, anybody who knew Adam, you knew him pretty well. Um, at that time, that was the first time that somebody was really talking about Noam Chomsky and all these like, Oh, you know, really being anti, uh, or, or anti-capitalism and all that stuff, and you're going, wait a minute, that's pretty cool stuff there. Uh, might not be interesting, but it's cool, right? And that, that, yeah. And I, I I saw that show, and to me, it was it was the move from, it was, it was a way to combine the long form uh, with the sketch. You know, the idea of a, a show being the lights never go out, it, right? It's all you know, transition and an immediate transition. Uh, it's it's political, and that's absolutely McKay. Oh man, I really saw. You know, I've, I've said it before on, on the cast. I mean, as far as like the family went, like we were all a good crew. Uh, do, you, do people know who, the, who mind, was in the family? Do people? Do, do you want to tell people who was in the who were in the family? Oh uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, it's, it's funny when you do the podcast. Like oh, I, I, know, I have I know, to say it again because uh, someone. Else, this is a different podcast, but it was, right. it was uh, uh, me, Adam McKay, Ali Faranakian, Ian Roberts, Matt Besser, and Neil Flynn. Look, come on now. Uh, come on now. Was, that was a pretty good crew. Uh, <clears throat> and the women were great. The women were... <laughs> yes, Besser was great. Besser was great. <laughs> Besser was great. Because he played all the women. Actually, it's probably me and Besser played most of the women. Uh, you were going somewhere, and I just totally derailed yes, you. Yes, you did. Trying to uh, oh, no, I was just talking about how I, I saw Pinata again. As, uh, I'm sure it was collaborative, and, and he would never say this, but I saw it as an Adam-driven thing. I saw the family as an Adam-driven thing. His effect on comedy, if I look at his whole life from then throughout, I'm just like, that guy's a treasure. <sighs> it's crazy. I mean, because you know, you know what it's like to be in a group. You, you're, you're in a, you're in a cast with people, and there's somebody who's clearly clear, and you, and you, you gravitate toward, towards the clearly clear. Someone who, who is funny, who's smart, who's simple. Not like simple, like, but simple. And go, oh man, the, the idea, that idea. Uh, he did a scene called Gump in Pinata Full of Bees, and it was him and. That's it. And he was the, the um, HR guy. HR? Yeah. Human resources guy. Yeah. Uh, and he just did a, uh, an interview like the week earlier with this vice president of the company. And, um, and, he, and he says, thanks for coming down here. And he says, you're welcome for coming down here. And uh, Adam says, uh, well, Mr. Rogers, it's uh, uh, not Mr. Rogers. Say his name is Mr. Shirt, whatever. Uh, well, Mr. Shirt, thanks for coming down here. It's great. Um, we have the results of your IQ test. And he's... And, Ads, it's like, okay, give them to me, just give them to me. Uh, um, well, you're retarded. And, uh, and Adson went, okay, 
what else you got for me? And that scene just went on and it was so Adam. It was so fucking Adam. Yep. But all those scenes, he did, they, it was, you guys, that, come on, yeah. get a time machine. Yeah, the scene, <laughs> the show, the scenes, I mean, I remember a few things from the show that stick out, like that scene, Noam Chomsky explaining Thanksgiving to, like, children. Yeah. Was yeah. wonderful. The, it was, I, I forget what, it was, I think it was called the, the least creative man scene. Yeah. Uh, where it's just it's a guy who just who, who has no ability to create whatsoever. Like it, the, the whole the whole game of you, you, all right, I'm gonna say a word. You say the first word that comes to mind. Like I can do part of it real, real quickly. Like, all right, dog. I can't remember. Oh, it's like, yeah, dog. Yeah. It's like dog, yeah. dog. Yeah. It's like cat, cat. It's like all right, say say a different word. And then you say dog, dogs. Uh, it's like. It was, it was just uh, uh, until it became pure Adam, where the guy who's so slow gets. So creative, it's insane. Like more creative than it's possible. Oh my god! That was, that was funny. I remember I wrote briefly for the Bizco there. Oh, so you did work at Second City? I, I, I briefly I worked for the uh, the Bizco. Yeah, because uh, my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, was a director there. Uh, and I, I remember I, I, the first thing I said, well, I'm, I'm using that scene. That's a perfect for creative departments. I'm like, here's a guy who's not creative, but then turns out to be the most creative guy. Let's just chop this scene up and use it every time. Yep. Uh, and ever after, they've been using it quite a bit. Yep, 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 yep. But the, but the work at the Second City was, I got to tell you, you know, you, you go to other places and you, uh, uh, and maybe it's because that I, I worked there for 21 years or some, some such thing, but I'm so damn proud of every fucking thing that we did there. And I'm also proud of the time that, and I, I, I mentioned this a couple times on my podcast, uh, ADD Comedy with Dave Rosowski, is there's a guy that, you got to plug it in, there's a guy who's doing this, this who's writing a, about uh, Second City, and he talks about the time that, and I'm, I'm, I'm including your time there as well, and he calls it the golden age of improv, and I believe it was the golden age of, uh, age of improv, and I believe that the family is a major part of that group. Well, I think we all, the, the way I've, I've described it, uh, I, I, I believe it was, and it, it was, I think for... A couple, one major reason, and that was the Second City at the time was not hiring, right? It took eight years to get to the main stage. Uh, the fact that the fact that you got to the main stage in that time is an accomplishment. Uh, but I remember, like every year, they auditioned the whole city and hired two other waiters or box office staff. Uh, it was all in house. It was all political. I remember the last audition that I went to before I made my brilliant career move to never go back to Second City. Uh, it was like an audition. I mean, just just to name who I can name off the top of my head, who were at this audition, it was you know the, it was like the entire family was there: uh, Rachel Dratch, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Brian McCann, uh, M M M Mitch Rouse, uh, Jay Leggett, uh, Brian Stack, uh, Pat Finn, David Koechner. Uh, I'm sure I'm leaving tons of awesome players out. Uh, Matt Wal Matt Walsh. Uh, basically, think of the, the best 40 players I've ever seen play. We're at this audition, and then they hired two of their waiters. Right. And I, and I was like, all right, fuck this place. Uh, now, I said that at the exact wrong time in Second City's history, because that's when Kelly Leonard, shortly, like that, right at that time, Kelly Leonard came in, and then he burned through that crowd in like two years. Yep. Uh, he opened the floodgates, and man, people got to the main stage fast. Yep. But... Because they hadn't hired for so long, mm -hmm. there was a backup, and people had no choice but to find ways to create shit. 
and even within the community outside, like I remember the family, part of what drove us was that Jazz Freddy wouldn't invite us to play. Uh-huh, right. So that we're like, all right, well, then, then we'll get faster and so, angrier. So mention who's Jazz Freddy. Oh, Jazz Freddy uh, from the people. I, I can remember. I'm going to forget people. Uh, Pete Gardner, Ian, right. Ian Gomez, David Koechner, Brian Stack, Sue Messing, Rachel Dratch. D. Ryan or no? Uh, what? D. Ryan. D. Ryan was probably in it. Right. Um, Carrie, who you put? Carrie Clifford. Yeah, Carrie Clifford was in mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm trying to remember people who played with it. Carlos Jacot. Right. Um, oh, Carlos, Jesus Christ. Yeah, was, I, I, again, we're getting really fucking inside baseball here. Uh, but, I, but I also believe, like, like, all those, again, I love the idea, because I've never heard this before, the idea of all this backup, and these people are going, what the fuck are we going to do? we got to do something. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at that now, thinking... Well, because you were, you, you, at that point, I, I imagine, you had gotten in. Oh, but I got in. Yeah, I got in uh, because there was a group that was that was uh, uh, right before me was Dave Pasquese, uh, Joel Murray, Tim Meadows, like this that group of people. Uh, they got in, and then Dell became a director, and he oh, pulled right. some fucking people. Oh, in. okay. And then, uh, but but going back, like there was also that show called Lois Kaz. And there was all these other theaters. Chicago theater was also in a state of flux and transition because there was such a big rush of things going from the late 80s to the early 90s where everybody fucking opened up a storefront. And then they were going, you know what? We need content. And all these actors weren't doing any fucking shows or late night shows. Right. And so uh, late night shows. And I'm look, thinking about it now. And I'm thinking about um, uh, uh, Laura, my girlfriend, and I were just talking about it. You know, we're huge fans of Pete Gardner. And fucking oh, yeah. Gardner now is doing things on television that no one has right. ever done right. and he's a fuck he's awesome like this i bet that show i mean i i have no idea because I, I i i like to imagine just for fun but i bet that show had no idea what they had when they hired peter pete carter yeah. it's like well this guy's great at this role yeah yeah he is great at that role but guess what? We want him to do all this, and guess what? He fucking can. Oh my god! Well, did you? I, I, I on on my podcast, he said, "I said, how come you quit improvising?" He goes, "I'm done. I want to be an actor. I'm gonna be an actor. I'm an actor, and I'm going to be an actor." And we saw him in uh, we saw him in a show in the Valley, and he was fucking great in that show. And he has done. When he's on stage, you can't fucking keep your eyes off him. And he's also a great commercial actor. Oh yeah, I mean, he's been he's he's been in most. He's one of those guys you see him in, and he's him all the time in commercials. Right, and his, and the, the commercials are fucking great. Yeah. He did that one commercial where he just was standing in front of some guy and slapping him. Mm-hmm. Did you see you know, that commercial? It was just him slapping this guy uh, into talking, you know, speaking the truth. And what <laughs> improv teacher doesn't want to do that to somebody? <laughs> you can cut that part out. Right? No, I think I think. In Pete's defense in leaving improv, even though you know it, it might have been the best thing in, in, in the world for him, one, I bet he's still a phenomenal improviser. I no, yes. I have no doubt that's true. But I think when the I.O. was out here, because about the time I got out here, the I.O. went through a, a sort of transition, and I think he got poorly treated and was pushed out. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I know that he, used, they used, that he and Paul Valancourt used to, to, Pete and Paul explain it all, they did that show together, and um, they had some really lovely crowds, some great crowds. And I think that you come to a point where you go, yeah, um, gas money? Uh, how about gas money? Um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And right. Just leave it hanging oh, in the yeah, air. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no
I think like you, you can, I think that the Improv Olympic treated him poorly after everything that a lot of people had done out here for the Improv Olympic to make it live uh, before Sharna eventually came out and invested in the building. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, I think the Improv Olympic can just own that. Uh, I'm yeah. Not, I don't need to say anything uh, else about it. It's unfortunate because, and I'm sure, you know, it's one of those things where because all kinds of people have had different problems with the Improv Olympic in that capacity. It doesn't mean that Sharn is evil or that they're, you know, horrible. Uh, I don't feel, I got to tell you, for me, just for me, they, and, and, and I, I, I do not say this pejoratively, I say this m- most definitely, positively. Improv Olympic owes me nothing. They oh, yeah. owe me nothing. Second City owes me nothing. So I can step away from whatever it was that, that I felt happened to me or didn't happen to me or my expectations. I don't really have expectations. I can walk away and go, oh, I fucking used them as much as they used me. You know? right. and, uh, and here's the thing. If I wanted something different, all that I had to do was ask for it. It would be denied, but I never really asked for it. I can't bitch to my boss about him not giving me a raise or her not giving me a raise if I don't ask for a fucking raise. Right. Uh, and just for the record, I mean, I, I know Sharna very well. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she's a, a friend. She spoke at my wedding. I mean, she and I have a good, a very good relationship. And that's why I'm, I think she would know, like, yeah, I got to own some of that stuff. That, you know, because a lot of people, because when I remember, do you remember the Armando Basically, what it was maybe 10, 12 years ago. Uh, well, it was out here or when it was, it was in When it was out here. Yes. When it was out here. Cause basically, at Stella Adler? Basically, when it was out here back then. No, at, at, at the I.O. West on, on, on Hollywood. Okay. Uh, I remember coming into that cast, and it was like you and Keckner uh, and, and Stack and Finn. And like, it, was, it was more like the original Armando than it was in Chicago. Because uh, everyone had moved out here to, you know, to pursue their, their, their careers. And that was... That was something that shouldn't have been lost. I, I don't know why it was. I think I think what ended up happening was, uh, well, people move on and they do other things. I also feel like it becomes an iteration of an iteration of an iteration. I would say that you did the Armando in Chicago when it was Armando, right? When it was the original Armando. Yeah, when it was yeah. the original Armando. I thought that was some of the finest theater I've ever seen. Not just improv, but some of the finest fucking theater I've ever seen. Well, look at that that ridiculous crew. It's the same crew we described as that golden age of people basically saying, hey, let's come up with a show. Right. Again, McKay. I think McKay and Kuckner. Yeah. Uh, let's come up with a show where the best players in the city, because they're all working in different theaters now, get to play together once a week. And Dell would direct, and, and, he, and, and you had a guy that was able to come in, because Armando was a pretty fucking smart man, not a very good improviser. I've said it. I will say it. I, I can talk to him. Um, but what his capacity was in being able to step outside of it and go, this guy's wearing a hat, and what he doesn't realize <laughs> is over here behind there is a stack of bacon. So, and he would say, and he would, he would fuck with the scene in a way, and it was just so awesome to to watch that. It was also kind of a no lose to me. I'm just like, I'm sorry, you have that the, the talent that was in that show. It's like you're just just not going to have a bad show, right? It's but just, you also have seen like I would go, I would do the shows at Second City uh, the, 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 on the pier, and uh, <coughs> which was all the Second City alumni. I mean, you had fucking great players there. But after a while, it'd be like the greatest people that you know doing the shittiest work that you've ever seen. Oh, and it'd be like, it was real, Miles, it was just like, I'm going, I'm in a group called Stacy's Not Here, which is Peter Marietta, Pete Gardner, Evan Gore, D. Ryan, Teresa Mulligan, and, and I were doing a show. And you know what? I don't want to drive all the way to the fucking pier and just do, you know, 
whatever. Just do that same scene that you do every fucking day. I'm not going to do it. What, wait, 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 I'm, I lost track of what you were um, What I'm saying is this. It was some of the finest people doing some of the, great, some of the worst work that you've ever seen. Oh, wow. Did I say it that way or did I say it another way? I wasn't sure if you, because the, the, the crew you just described. Oh, the crew, what I was describing. Like, how did they do such Well, here's work? the thing. I, they weren't in that show. Oh, okay. I'm, and so, I'm sorry. I'm, I must have missed a step here. So, uh, they weren't in that show. So, I'm going, I don't need to come all the way out to all the right. fucking, to, to, to do a crappy show. So, I'm going to walk away from that show. Right. I, well, I, I think, and it's, it's, you know, as far as like the goes anyway, maybe it's a small example. Just basically, it's the evolution. Uh, it gets passed on to the next uh, generation of people. Because it's no longer what it was when it began. But at the same time, this, this is something I, I do like to think about as far as it, it interests me and it, 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 it excites me. When I started, uh, and you might r- remember this, uh, there were no good improvisers in their 40s or 50s, right? Uh, the, I mean, those were the old guys who showed up to take classes for the first time. Right, and now it's like the best improvisers I know <laughs> right. are in their forties and fifties. Right, because we can't get any work doing anything <clears throat> that's, else. Well, that's right. <laughs> but I'm saying that changes the whole dynamic. Uh, it's just like, cause you, oh, it's just a young man's game. You got to be young to be on a team and to play. And I'm like, really? Let me get a crew of forty old. I got, I got a crew of forty year old guys who I think are gonna, you know, gonna fuck you up a little bit tonight. Because <laughs> uh, I, because, and again, I think, you know. As I, I keep mentioning this thing Mick said, Mick Napier, about treating improv more like it's a product, which is, which, is, which we need to do in the community, not just not keep apologizing, well, it's just the thing that disappears on stage. It's like, no, no, no. There are people good enough where it's, it's you know, you can virtually guarantee it. Uh, and it's like, let's start treating it as a product. And I'm just like, I, I, I've been toying in my mind with just like, you know, I like the idea. Let's get some older improvisers on stage. Because that, that certainly changes the reference of a lot of things. You know, people starting out, uh, there's a lot of, you know, like for me, and it's funny, there's a lot of roommate scenes. Because in their, this point in their life, they probably have a fucking roommate. Right. Uh, they're probably just out of college if they're just starting out. Uh, and I'm just like, well, that's your reference point. And I, 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 I want to talk about the fact that the guy who owned my house previous to me didn't fix the fucking frame of the house. <laughs> Right, so now I'm looking at twenty grand, you know, to to get inside the fucking house to fix a fucking beam, right? And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, your roommate's high all the time. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it would be like somebody showing, like, like, you know, someone doing like Tinder, moving the Tinder, 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 and and me just trying to get my colostomy pictures, my colonoscopy pictures, all my colostomy pictures, my colonoscopy, it's like, because, you know, that's like, I get to, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I got that, the fucking, for a colonoscopy, by the way, the the procedure is nothing, because they knock you out, and they knock you out, and you're out, you wake up, it's over, there's no pain, it's the fucking night before, you have to drink, like, this big, huge jug of stuff, right, to completely clear you out. Basically, you drink a pint every. It was like every fifteen minutes mm. until you start until you start shitting. Yeah, right. And you have to keep drinking it for like four hours uh, until you're com- until you're completely clear. And once that's done, you can't have a fucking sip of water until no. after the procedure, no. which is now about fourteen hours away. It, it gives it gives a, a it gives a new meaning to going clear. 
Oh. Um, uh, no, I had a, I had a, uh, uh, I had a girlfriend at the time who came over, and she was very good with math, and she made a chart of how often I had to drink it, and it was the first time she came over, and one of my students called it the courtesy flush weekend. Um, and, uh, but I gotta tell you, I agree with you, and I gotta, t- I just also want to say this, anybody who's doing a col- who's gonna do a colonoscopy, because eventually men, men have to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, What Miles is saying is absolutely right. And when do not do it when you're going camping, and don't do it if you're on an airplane. But if you're at home and you've got a good book to read and you got some music or an iPad, and get yourself one of those uh, 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 what 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 are the stools that you call squatty potty? You get yourself a squatty potty. If you do not have a squatty potty. Laura, I'm, 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 I'm talking. Oh, uh, we got a squatty potty. Laura, got a, uh, we got a squatty potty. That works better. Oh, and fucking the squatty potty. <laughs> it is great. It is great. Here's the thing. Oh, my God. It's really great. I think like two and cinder it, blocks it, would be just it, as it, fine. But. You know what I use? I, I have my kid's steppy stool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And the that new commercial that they have. I didn't like the one with the British lady who's going, oh, you shouldn't be this. It's everybody. The, now they have this guy who's getting uh, 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 ice cream from the asses of a, a, a goose or something right. like that. And it's, it's a like, unicorn. It's a mystic unicorn. A mystic unicorn. A, a mystic unicorn. A, a mystical unicorn. unicorn. And, uh, uh, and, and I can relate to a couple of things that he's saying. <laughs> the hemorrhoids thing. Oh boy! See, that's a that's right. a fifty year old scene. That was that we just did it. <laughs> now, briefly to bring it back just a little bit, because uh, we because we, we we haven't really talked about this at all. Uh, I don't see because to me, like you and I are going to do a set in a little bit, right? Uh, and it's just going to be. I think no matter how either one of us examine improvisation, I'm so excited about it. By the way. Uh, me too. Should be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how either one of us examine improv or explain it from different angles, when we play, it's just going to be, I'm going to listen to you, you're going to listen to me, we're going to react, and we're going to go. Wait, let me write that down. What? Okay, let me write that down. Okay, write yeah, that down? No. okay yeah. Uh, no, right, right. What would you say uh, are some of your... And I, 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 I wouldn't want you to try and sum up your fucking philosophy, because I think... I think you know, you would have way too much to say in, say, the five minutes we're going to have to, to do that. Uh, but, like, I would say, by my training, coming from the family, I generally tend to, to play faster, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I, I, I would say that you generally tend to play slower or to prefer to play slower. I don't, I don't know. I would ask you. Um, it's not about tempo. It's because I, I understand what you're saying, but me, it's, it's less... It's not about tempo. It's not about the tempo with which you play. It's about the mindfulness that you play with. So just hearing everything and using everything that's there, but making sure that nobody, nothing goes away. And also, when there's a change in the scene, to fucking jump on the change. When you say something that makes me go, Mur, I will fucking jump on the mer. You know, I, I'm going to go there. And, and, I, and what somebody talked about it when I was just in New York um, because I was teaching and then I was doing a two-person show with somebody and I had my students come to the two-person show and then I taught the next day. And a couple of my students said, well, a lot of what it is that you teach us, you're not doing in the show. And a lot of things that you say don't do, you are doing in the show. And I said, yeah, well, that's because I know how to keep the scene and hold on to the scene. And the things that I'm teaching are foundational, having less to do with what it is that you, I want you to do and more to do with I want you to have this foundation in, in order for you to move on. So it's not that I necessarily 
play slower, I will milk a fucking thing just right. like anybody else will if it's fun, but I will also make that turn. So I'm present with what you're saying. I also don't do many games of the scene. I don't do that. Right. I, well, like, I think the thing is, I think everyone does games of the scene. I think they just call it different things. Because uh, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if every scene that's funny has a game. There's a there, there's a game in it. I mean, uh, so it's it, it's it's not. Like, I mean, I think the game of the scene is, is the thing that that in one way to look at it, it's the thing that makes it funny. Uh, I would say, from from my point of view, I actually am aware of tempo or pace when I play. I love tempo. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying it's, it's something like, I, it's, I, I don't think like the whole, the, the tempo of this scene is this, this, and this, but I'm aware within a piece that I'm like, I want to move faster. Got it. I want things to move a little faster right now. Uh, but usually that's decided for me like prior to a show. Like it's for, for tonight, I have nothing. But like if, sometimes I'll be like, you know what? I moved kind of slow last week. I'd like to move fast this week. Mm -hmm. I'd like to, you know, just... Change it up. I just don't think in, in terms of that because I really don't have a memory from what happened last week. Um, oh, I do. Oh, I'm glad you do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad you do because for me, I feel like, oh, because when Carrie and I, you know, warm up or whatever we're going to do before our show, it's usually, um, what do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to do uh, this week? Because last week we did this and I'll go, oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, we went to this restaurant. It was really, really good. And we had this thing, and she'll go, "Oh, I went to that restaurant. Really, did you say?" And so I'm gonna go five minutes. It's like, okay. Um, so last, let's do eights. Okay, and then we'll do eights, and we'll never fucking talk about what we're gonna do. <laughs> so we never even do that. But but here's another thing. I am in your space, and I will wait, or I will suss it out. And that's one of the things that we do. Is those of us who've been working as often as we work, and 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 and. Uh, uh, and have experiences, we, we sit and we go, how's my partner? What's my partner doing right now? And I'm going to play the way that he's playing. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to play the way you're playing. And so what we're doing at this moment is having an amalgamation. It's an, it's an amalgamation of these two things where these two people who are really fucking great veterans doing this are doing this thing. And the audience gets to see something that they've never seen before because you and I have never done this before. That's true. And so we get to melt that. And I know that uh, I, know, I know a number of things foundationally. I know you're going to listen. I know you're going to be strong. I know you're going to have strong points of view. And I'm fucking so excited about that, you know, as opposed to somebody that you're playing with who's equivocating or who just wants to do funny accents. And right. I'll go, okay, all right. I know one thing. This will never happen again, <laughs> you know, when I'm playing with those people. Um, but, what, you know. What, what, what I always say before a show, usually I say it outside to the guests. I, I didn't happen to say it to you because, again, I have zero worry going into this. Was that you do whatever you want to do, I'll do what I want to do, and we'll be there for each other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but how many times do you get to play with people? How many times do you play with people that you don't know at all? Do you? It happens. It happened last week. It happens a, a, a few times. In a two-person show. In a two-person show. Yeah. Don't you love that? For oh, yeah. me, I fucking love that I love, so I, much. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially like if I don't know them at all. Like I, I've I've did this a couple times with people who've never done it anything before. They just, you know, they got picked their name out of a hat. And so they came up here and did it. And that was some of the funnest stuff. Absolutely. Just because if, since they weren't trying to be good at it, all they did was listen and say whatever the fuck occurred to them, which is exactly what you're supposed to fucking do. As long as you don't have a fucking psychopath up there who's going, ah, whatever, and go, ah, fuck, no. fuck, fuck. No. Because that guy's a fucking level one somewhere. Oh, you know that he is. You yeah. know that he is. <clears throat> and, and it's one of these things, the same thing about Meisner. Uh, the worst thing that you could do is take a, a three-week Meisner class. 
and then and then want to do it more. It's like fuck all that. And anybody's doing a one like it's like I don't want to have anything to do with you. My the the best thing that anybody ever said. I think Sheldon Patinkin once said is like if you're playing with somebody who has never improvised before, you get up there and you play low status to them the entire fucking time. Oh yeah. Because no matter what they do, they have to be right. And like right, right. I always thought it's like does make everything that they say important. Right. Right. It's uh, not the time for you to do yeah. that kind of in-depth, clever, like, pinter scene. <laughs> Which I'm so known for. I know. I know. All I right. Know. We're, we're, we're going to run out of time, and I definitely want to give the, the audience here some, some opportunity to ask you some questions. Oh, yeah. So, any questions? Yeah. When did you first start embracing viewpoints, and how has that changed your philosophy? Oh, my life? God. So much. I, I was hired by the uh, by Steppenwolf Theater Company uh, in in Chicago to do a uh, um, Sheldon Patinkin uh, wasn't able to do an entire week of entire two three weeks of improv with uh, at the California Summer Arts Festival. So they hired me to come in and take the second two weeks from him. And I sat and I watched this woman named uh, uh, Kim Rubenstein. I watched her do this thing, and it's uh, it was viewpoints. And I thought. Oh my God, there is a name for something that I do all the time and there is a, it's been codified and they fucking figured it out. Because the one thing that I always knew was to be in relationship to somebody, they move one way, I move another. And I just felt that way. But to know that there was something called that and to see Kim Rubenstein do it and to see uh, Alexandra Billings do it and to see Eric Honeycutt do it and then to go to see uh, August Osage County and to say oh my god the way that they fucking move around and then Jeff Perry became a friend of mine who's one of the founding members and I just fell in love with it and I still fucking love it I, did I answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the great thing about that is that if you, if you are in a group of people who know how to do it um, to do it together uh, that's the best thing. Um, uh, it's, uh, there's a book called The Viewpoints Book that, uh, that Anne Bogart wrote. Do you know that book? No. Okay, there's a book called The Viewpoints Book, which is an okay book, but it's what Mick Napier says, says about um, Viola Spolin's Improv for the Classroom, or Improv for the Actor, um, where he goes, bring a book to that book. Um, and, uh, uh, which I think is really great. great it was really good. It was really good. Um, uh, but uh, the thing about that is, it's it's you know, you, it's a great book if you've got the time and this and and a huge theater to work in. Yeah. All right. Right there, uh, Miles. You mentioned earlier talking about improv more as a product, and I know that Dave, in the past, you've been a steadfast proponent of having improv being taken more seriously, having it being seen on par with acting classes more than just a play around kind of thing. And where do you see that evolving in the next five or 10 years? Is that to, to, uh, to Miles? That's to me? Where do I see it? I think it's fucking being used. Ross, I see it being used all the time. On, on, and it's what, what Miles was saying about there are now 50-year-old improvisers. When we were growing up, there weren't 50-year-old improvisers. Because there are 50-year-old improvisers, there are people that are in the industry and not just the, the, not just the industry of uh, the entertainment industry, but now there are people that are using improvisation. Like Second City has an entire program for people who are autistic and who have, and they're using improvisation for that. So there, it, it's being spread out and understood on different levels. And I think that people are really opening themselves up to that, um, I, and, and so when somebody says like the product of improvisation, what is it? I, I think that it's being, it, 
Like there's so many improv festivals now and there's so many people doing this that everybody is starting to have a different idea and the shell is cracking and it's uh, uh, it's being deconstructed in a way that we've never fucking seen it before. You know, like people were just doing that the mother-in-law jokes and shit like that when when I was watching Second City Scenes. And now there's a level of there's a level of artistry that's happening. And I think that that your uh, people like TJ and Dave, what they're doing um, is really fucking intense and awesome. But I also think that it's also going back to what the family did. And it, that shit, I could have watched that stuff. You know, Jazz Freddy, I could have sat and watched that stuff every fucking week because everybody was so committed. And people are really being committed now to do that. And I don't, I don't think there's anything at odds between the, those two statements. I think taking the work more seriously and starting to mentally treat it like a like a viable product are, is, is, a, is a perfect marriage. Because you I, do need to take the work seriously to make it a viable product. I really think that the actors need to fucking take, take themselves really fucking seriously too, uh, the, the, the improviser. And I think that because what ends up happening is we call ourselves starving artists and there's somebody, some fucking... Uh, producer somewhere getting a big boner because they're going oh I can use these people and not have to fucking pay them but we gotta ask for fucking money we gotta get money we gotta get money and if you wanna go show me the money but it's really you know like when was the last time somebody says you wanna do this yeah I'll do it and it's like there's no pay you go that's okay well can you take a second before you say that's okay and go is it okay maybe it's not okay are you making money because if you're making money I'd like to make some of that money that you're making and here's the thing. If you say, I'd like money from the money that you're making, and they go, no, you get to go, okay. But at least you asked. All right. <clears throat> I, we're going to pass a hat in a minute. <laughs> well, I think your worries are over about money, because once this podcast gets out there, the money just starts rolling in. We were talking about that early outside. We were talking about right. the, the podcast. Let's leave it there, and you and me do yep. a set. Yeah, what's going to happen now is me and David are going to do about a 25-minute set of long-form improvisations for you, and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Rooster. Rooster. Coop, 
That's where I go every morning to get the chicken, the eggs. That's the pigsty. That's where the pigs live. Over there. That's the silo where we keep the corn. I know what's on the farm. Well, then, now you know you don't need me. That's all I'm about. You pointed out the locations of things. <laughs> Ooh. There are... Ooh, we've got some fresh bacon. I know what you're doing. <laughs> all right. In the chicken coop, there are chickens. The back end of the chicken, they lay eggs. That explained it? I know what happens in the chicken coop. All right. Where the eggs come from? Well, then I'm going to go. You are a fine-looking lady, Nancy. <laughs> that bottom of yours could keep anybody but me sticking around here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's just a little bit of butter, a little bit of butter frying I on the pan right there. See, I know what you're saying, but I'm gonna go. Got my hat and my jacket. I'm gonna miss this place. Ah, onions, onions and butter. I know what you're doing. Oh, that's a smell. Right I see there. what you're doing. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You're making it waft. Nothing wrong with onions and butter. I'm taking the dog. That dog will never go with you. <laughs> you know that. That's why I'm taking it. I'm not asking. <laughs> Take the dog. Sleeping, I'll put it in a bag and I'll put it in the back of the pickets. <laughs> taking the dog. Should probably pack. <laughs> when you're done with breakfast, would you pack? <laughs> I think not, I would like it. I'm so, not packing for you. Oh, you're not Nancy. That was, we had no future. Seriously. Hmm. I'm going to skip the end piece and get two thick ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Texas toast right there. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I know make, what you're doing. I'm just making a little breakfast for myself since you're going to be gone. Got a lot of eggs just for yourself. Yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> well, maybe you could pack me a to-go in a Tupperware or something like that. That would be a nice going away goodbye present of some sort. <laughs> so, uh, maybe six or seven changes of the underwear. I'm, I'm not packing your damn clothes. For you to not leave. I, I'm not asking you to pack. I'm just telling you what you would pack if you were going to pack for <clears throat> Put it away. Thank you. Thought it was for sale. It's not for sale. No. I would put it... I can buy it. I get the money. No, that's not for sale. Alright. Seems like whatever I touch is not for sale. I don't like you. <laughs> Didn't ask you to like me. I judged you the minute you walked through my door. I understand. You have a business here, right? Yes, I sell antiques. Yep. I thought maybe I seems like whatever I touch, you don't want me to I don't understand. No, no, you're free to buy whatever you like except All right. for certain things. <laughs>
favorite chair. <laughs> <laughs> that will never be sold. <laughs> <laughs> and his sister. <laughs> Never seen a picture of a car accident before. <laughs> How much for the picture of the car accident? That's actually not something for sale in the store. It's a uh, clipping from the newspaper that I put up on the wall. All right. Which I am now not considering selling. All right. You, sir, do not strike me as an antiquer. I'm just starting out. <laughs> bought a building across the street. Needs to have stuff filled in like uh, furniture and artwork, and rugs, toilet, bedroom. These, <laughs> items, these items are not filler. Right? And I put I put the toilet in first. <laughs> you run your own house the way that you want to. I am. All right. I don't sell to newbies. All right. How about the uh, how much for the stuffed possum? How many things do you think I'm going to have to tell you are not for sale <laughs> before you realize that I'm not going to sell you anything? Well, all right, fine, 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 I understand. I'm just killing some time, that's all. Killing time? Just killing some time. I got some people coming over that are going to buy maybe one of the units in the building. Buy one of your toiletless units? <laughs> yeah. It's an open space. People can do whatever they want with it. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. It's freedom. It's freedom is what it is. So this is the, this is the space? Uh-huh. There's, there's nothing here. Well, you would put your own stuff here. If you want, I'm telling you, Jerry's across the street. Should I just call him? I can call him and have him come over here. I mean, Jerry's the owner. He can just talk to you more about it than I. This is, there are no, there, there are no walls. No, there are no walls. There are no windows. <laughs> and the floor, it's a temporary floor. And the ceiling, as you can see, we're just putting in the ceiling. This building is under construction. Well, no, no, it's not under construction. Well, it it's going be to be, well, no, the thing is that it will be what it is that you want it to be. I'm not buying a unit in a building that isn't, Built. The building is built. We know we're in the building. Should this building collapse, we're going to say, they were in that building. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me just say this. Again, if you want, Jerry's just across the street. I can call him and he can answer questions for you. I, I, just in regards to the building. I'm not buying... I don't have any questions. This is not a building. This well, is a, I, you know, this is a, a building. frame of a building. It's a building. It's a building. You, you, can, you can say it's a building. Right. It doesn't make it a building. Fine, 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 fine. Do you remember what was on this lot before this was here? No. Well, it was another building. That's a different building than this building. That that might have been a building. This is not a building. Well, this you wouldn't know because you didn't see that building, did you? Let's look up fucking building in the dictionary, all right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it doesn't say uh, no walls, no windows, just... Floors. You can define something by what it's not, silly. That's not how you define things. Whatever, it's all right. If you want, I'll call Jerry. He's just a Have you sold any of these? Yes, we have. We've sold many of them. Bullshit. Well, all right, we're about to. <laughs> we're selling it, Jason. I just want you to know, we're next to selling it. We're about to sell it. We've got a bunch of all. What do you think? I'll buy it. 
<laughs> I think we're rushing into it. I think there's nothing here. Why do you want to buy? It's perfect. Uh, why are you rushing into it? We got four more buildings to look at. No, this, this building I can work with. <laughs> All right. Walls. I just want, I don't like it. I don't like it. The walls, the windows, the doors. <laughs> it's like a garage. Yes, but look at all the places you can shoot from. <laughs> this building is perfect. We shouldn't get the basement one there. We should get the higher floor. We buy the whole building. I don't want someone living in the basement saying, Hey, stop shooting up there! You know what I like about you? I live in lack. You live in abundance. I'm thinking we just buy one. You want the whole building? Yes. That's why you're the boss and not just the guy who drives you around. That's because I'm <laughs> a billionaire and you are a nothing. I am a nothingaire. <laughs> but you're my mentor. I want you to know that you're my mentor and you let me talk to you anyway that I can talk to you. All right, you learned something today. Why? I'm going back to being your mentor. What have you learned today? Oh, I've learned today that we don't buy just the basement apartment. We buy the whole building. That's right, you buy the whole building. Yes. And you're a billionaire and I'm nothing here. Nothing here is nothing word. <laughs> I learned that. <laughs> so, did you buy it? Did you buy anything today? I mean, you were out all day. Where did you go? I bought a building. You bought a building? Yes. What do you mean you bought a building? You didn't talk to me? <laughs> Ali, you didn't talk to me. You bought a building and you didn't talk to me? <laughs> this is part of my money too. Oh, for God's sake. Are you kidding me? Are you goddamn kidding me? Are we going to have another of these situations like the car? Are we going to have one of these car situations? How many cars do you have now, Ali? Don't answer. For God's sake. The falafel's getting cold. Are you going to sit down or what? You could have called. You could have called. You know what? It's Nancy's birthday today. She's on the farm by herself. <laughs> he fucking left her. Finally, he fucking left her. He left her and I told him. I told him. And you didn't go over there. I told you you should go over there. It's your brother-in-law, for God's sake. I'm making eggs. Do you want eggs? No. I'm going to reach in. I'm going to get the second and third pieces. I'm making making falafel. I don't eat... Falafel. That's for you. Who eats that slop? It looks like something that came from the back end of a sand chicken. I can't believe I'm married. I can't believe it either. Yes, you can. You can believe it. I had a, I had an image of what an American wife would be. Right. Now I would control her. Right. She, well, would have to, she would have to obey me like a, like, like a good wife. Mm. I like your voice. I like the way you talk. Eat your falafel. <laughs> Wait, where is my falafel? Your falafel's over there in your chair. Why are you sitting in my chair? Ah! You have the good chair. Why do you have the good chair? I have both. I got the good chair and her sister. <laughs> this shit costs a lot of money, I'm gonna tell you that right now. But I asked you about it. it, wasn't like I was gonna go out and buy some chairs without talking to you. <laughs> Next Saturday we're going to a soccer game. Uh, these are children. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, son.
shocker. I love it. These are not our children. No, they're not our children. We don't have children. We don't. Why are we watching other people's children suck at this game? Who are you waving to? I'm waving. Susan, we have a bet. She bet me that I couldn't get you to come to the game. How much did you win? I didn't win anything. It was a gentlewoman's bet. <laughs> Stupid bet. Look at all these children. Come on, Dominic! Go! That's the way you get kicked out of the, uh, the American youth soccer game, is by shouting. You have to say nice things. You run good! <laughs> Look at you with hair and clothes! Are these children retarded? No, they're not. This is the way that we speak. Well, what you say, you run good! You run good! Well, this is the way that we do it. We only have a certain amount of words that we can use. Part of the youth soccer uh, lexicon. Someone, someone get to the end of the field. Get to the end of the field. Let him. <laughs> no, you do not let him. This is his first time, Susan. It's his first time. My wife tells me you were yelling at our kid at the soccer game. <laughs> Which one was your kid? My kid was the kid who was running from one place to another. <laughs> it was the one who was crying at the end, saying, why did that guy yell at me? That description does not tell me. That describes all those children. Well, here's his picture. Oh. <laughs> yes, he, he particularly sucked. <laughs> well, he's got problems, okay? He was a breech baby. All right? <laughs> and by the way, do you want a donut or do you not want a donut? How, how does that stick with you? Being a breech baby, how does that stick with you? I don't know. I look like a doctor. I own a donut shop. You're blaming your kid's sucky soccer player on the way he was born. Maybe he was, maybe he'd be a better soccer player if he wasn't breech. I want a crawler. <laughs> Which crawler do you want? There are three crawlers here. I want the one in front. It is the biggest. Do not give me one of the other fucking crawlers. <laughs> do I look like a guy that would rip off a guy on a crawler? Do I look like that guy? Yes, you you think I've been in guy. business since 1968 and just by giving out crappy crawlers? Quality crawlers. It's 1968. I'm gonna tell you something else. I'm throwing in a coffee. For nothing. No, I pay. No, you're not gonna pay for this coffee. Oh, okay. You are not paying for this I coffee. I pay for everything. You are not paying for the coffee. Oh, I am paying double. I'm getting double with this coffee. And then you get double, and then you get half off, and I'm taking half off a of half off, and happy birthday. <laughs> $10,000. And you accepted it? Of course I did. Of course I did. But honey... What am I going to do? Where's what You said you were going to give it to him. Where's your honor? He kept yelling at me in some kind of accented thing. You have run a quality establishment since 70. All right? You don't have to be. I thought I'd do something else with my life. We're going to have to give that money back.
What are you knocking on? There are no doors in my door. <laughs> you are always in. You are always inside. My wife wants me to return the money, $10,000. You dare to come there and try to give me back money? I didn't dare. I did it. Oh, you have not done it. You will leave here with more money than you came Yeah. <laughs> 
phrase or a word. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't really know much. <laughs> she, if she was here, she'd be able to go, this is how it came out. All that I know is there was a lot of yelling. <laughs> I'm ready to go. This is your boy. Alright. Uh, we're going to put you in the back of a van. I was a breech baby. But <laughs> yeah. dad reminds me of that every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty quiet, your dad is right now. <laughs> <laughs> She looks like far too intelligent a woman to buy a shithole like this. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> Look how far you can see from here. I know. There's no walls or windows. There's nothing stopping us from having a future. Do you like soccer? No, I'm no I'm terrible at soccer. But no soccer. There won't be any soccer. I'd like to go visit that farm someday. Farm's gonna be torn down. They're putting up a Costco. <laughs> Costco's better than Walmart. 
Well, sometimes it is. <laughs> well, we gotta eat some. Well, food. You're, you're back, are you? Yep. Well, you, you, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I sold the farm to Costco. I sold it to Walmart. I'm rich. I'm rich. What do you mean you sold it to? You either sold it to Walmart or you sold it to Costco. I sold Nancy, you can't sell it to both. <laughs> you, you can if you're crafty. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show! Yeah. 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 Yeah.